Oh, hey, I'm so glad that you found us. My name is Michael, and I get to be the pastor at Shepherd's Community United Methodist Church in Lakeland, Florida. You're listening to the It's Better When You're Here podcast, where every week we upload the messages that are preached at our church every Sunday. We hope by listening to this, uh, you feel safe, heard, and loved by the God that created you. We hope this message makes an impact in your life. If listening to this makes a difference, reach out to us and connect with us either on social media or on our website, shepherdsumc.com. All right, here's the message. So friends, in times of great uncertainty, followers of Christ need to be ready to share a word worth hearing of hope and possibility. Friends, we've come to the end of our series on Esther, the book of Esther. The thing we've talked about every week is that in the book of Esther, God is in disguise. God is never mentioned. God never speaks. No one ever talks about God in the book of Esther. And yet God is all throughout the book of Esther. It's kind of like our lives, right? We live in a secular time. God does not reveal God's self in spoken word any longer or burning bushes or donkeys that talk. That's in the Bible. You should read it sometime. God doesn't do that as much anymore, but instead we see God all around us. And so when we read Esther, we see a modern tale in ancient times. And today we also celebrate Pentecost. It's a time when God became seen. So it was right after Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples were together in a room, and all of a sudden they heard a mighty rushing wind. All of those gathered had tongues of fire above their head. and They began to speak and prophesy in words that they did not know. They began to speak different languages. We as Christians, we call that the church's birthday. That's why you have candles on your, on your birthday cake. That's not why. I made that up. But that would have been cool, right? You believe me for a second. It's the birthday of the church that's when we started this crazy thing called church, being a Christian. The followers of Jesus were given this ability to speak to people that they had never spoken to before. So how in the world does Esther, story of ancient Israel, relate to the story of Pentecost that happened thousands of years after? Well, that question is exactly what I thought when I sat down to write this sermon. How in the world does anything have in common with these two stories? What am I going to do? How am I going to put these together? But I think we can see it. Like Esther, we are called for such a time as this. The thing about Pentecost is that it's really neat and easy to look at it as a story that happened in the past, and yet, friends, Pentecost is still happening today. As the people of Pentecost, we have a word that needs to be shared. Everyone say, people of Pentecost. So what was Pentecost? It was a time when the people called by Christ were waiting out. So Jesus had ascended into heaven, and Jesus said, wait, don't do anything, just wait. Wait for me. I'll give you instructions. I'll send you a helper. Wait for me. I don't know about you, but I am not a fan of waiting. We are annual pass holders at Disney, and I am the king of finding the shortest line. And if I find a short line and I stand in it, and another line becomes shorter, I have failed as a father and a husband. I mean, not to be dramatic, but it is the greatest failing of my entire I cannot stand waiting in lines, and yet that's what Jesus calls the followers to do. They were waiting it out. They were seeing what God could call them to. And then, friends, the Spirit showed up. This 
leads us to, a, you know, kind of a difficult theological thing that we as Christians believe in, which is the Holy Spirit. Understanding the Holy Spirit will be different depending on what church you go to. We, as United Methodists, believe that the Holy Spirit is just as much God as Jesus or God the Father is. We believe that the Holy Spirit is, is something that exists within all of us that follow Jesus. It's a, it's a fire that burns within us. It motivates us. It challenges us. It pushes us towards something. It's not Jiminy Cricket whispering in our ear, letting our conscience be our guide. It's something so much more than that. The Holy Spirit is that still small voice that reminds you that you're okay even when you sin, that there is forgiveness and grace for you. The Holy Spirit is that still small voice that tells you to be gentle and kind to a spouse or a child that has annoyed you. But the Holy Spirit is also that loud, booming voice that tells you to go to Lakeland and do something about it, right? The Holy Spirit is that booming, loud voice that says there are people in this world that do not have enough to eat, and that is your problem to solve. The Holy Spirit is how we experience God every single day. There is, in the story of Pentecost, there are tongues of fire that show up over people's heads. If you've seen the logo of the United Methodist Church, that's why we have fire in our logo, and also it like, looks pretty cool. Those are the two reasons why. Those flames remind us that we are called to be the fire in the world, to, to set it ablaze, to show people God's love. And then they had, the followers of Jesus were given abilities that they did not have before. As the people of Pentecost, we have a word that needs to be shared. The miracle at Pentecost happened because its message saved lives. The thing that happened at Pentecost, Peter spoke up, the followers of Jesus spoke up, and people heard about God's love, and it saved lives. If you have your Bibles, or if you have a phone, Google Acts chapter 2. We're going to hang out a little bit there today. So grab your Bibles if you have a paper one, and if you don't, just go to Google, go to Go to Bing if you must, although I, I'd advise you not to. Duck, duck, go, I don't care. Just Google Acts chapter 2. We're reading from the Common English Bible. So we'll begin in verse 14. Peter stood with the other 11 apostles. He raised his voice and declared, Judeans and everyone living in Jerusalem, know this. Listen carefully to my words. These people aren't drunk, as you suspect. Pause. I'll do this every year. That's the funniest passage of Scripture in the Bible, I think. So these people, they start speaking different languages. They start speaking French, Arabic, Aramaic, Syriac. There's a big, long list there. You can find them yourselves. Pig Latin, whatever you need, Klingon. They start speaking all these different languages, and everyone in the crowd thinks, these guys aren't experiencing a miracle. They're drunk. I don't know how many drunk people you've been around. They don't begin to just speak Spanish if they don't already speak Spanish. That was the suspicion that they had. These people aren't drunk, as you suspect. After all... It's only, only 9 o'clock in the morning. The subtext there is like, check back at 7. Rather, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. You see, friends, the miracle of Pentecost shows that time could not be spared. Something needed to happen right then and right there. 9 o'clock in the morning on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit needed to break into the world. 
time could not be saved. It needed to happen then. And what does Peter do? Peter is humbled and he is bold. You know, the thing about followers of Jesus is that they were not popular, right? In the time of Pentecost, there weren't churches on every corner. In fact, the followers of Jesus were being persecuted, chased, arrested, put into prison. You would not be happy if your daughter came home from college and said, I started attending a Christian fellowship. No, you would be looking into like cult deconversion camps, right? And no one was excited when a Christian showed up. They were being jeered. They were being mocked. And what does Peter do? He responds with humility. Uh, friends, we're not, we're not drunk. It's, it's way too early. Uh, but instead, this is what God is doing. Peter was humble and he was bold. Everyone say humbled and bold. All right, let's go to verse 22 of the same chapter. This is Peter speaking again. Fellow Israelites, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene was a man whose credentials God proved to you through miracles, wonders, and signs, which God performed through him among you. You yourselves know this. In accordance with God's established plan and foreknowledge, he was betrayed. You, with the help of wicked men, had Jesus killed by nailing him to a cross. God raised him up. God freed him from death's dreadful grip, since it was impossible for death to hang on to him. Peter comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable in this passage. Peter takes a chance. Peter takes a chance and speaks into the lives of those who are comfortable. The people that condemned Jesus to the cross, the people that that fought Christians, the people that imprisoned Christians, they were comfortable. They were doing the right thing for their time. They were listening to the rules. They were being good Jewish followers, and Peter afflicts them. He finds the comfortable, and he afflicts them. And at the same time, Peter comforts the afflicted, speaks into the lives of those following Jesus, and tells them, don't worry. This is what God planned. You are part of a greater narrative. Everyone say, comforts the afflicted. Y'all getting a little, a little slow now. I'm a, we're going to try that again. I want the same amount of zhuzh. Haven't been talking that long. I grew up fundamentalist. That, that the sermon started at an hour in, okay? So we're going to try that again. Everyone say, comforts the afflicted. Everyone say, afflicts the comfortable. Very good. That's what Peter does. That's what we're called to do. That's what the Holy Spirit does when the Holy Spirit shows up. It comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. What that feels like, what that sounds like, is when someone shares a word from the Holy Spirit with you that you don't like. It could be that the person sharing with you is just not being very nice. That's important to understand. Sometimes Christians are just mean, and when someone calls them out for it, they call it persecution, right? That's something that we need to acknowledge, right? But also sometimes someone can speak to you in the words of the Holy Spirit and you realize that it's something that's been bothering you already. A relationship, a habit, posture you have towards your community that you just can't shake. When someone else speaks that to you, that is the comfortable being afflicted. Friends, I don't know if you know what it feels like to be afflicted and to be comforted by the Holy Spirit. I look around the room and I know that I've seen some of you in hospital rooms or hospital chapels or spaces where 
the world seemed to be turned against you. And the Holy Spirit showed up and provided comfort. And friends, that's what Peter does in this passage here. He speaks humbly and boldly, afflicts the comfortable and comforts the afflicted. Let's jump down to verse 37. When the crowd heard this, they were deeply troubled. They said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? This Peter, Peter is pointing out, you did this to Jesus. You're in a bad spot with God. You just need to be aware. You have to change. And he says this, Peter replied, change your hearts and lives. Each of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord our God invites. With many other words, he testified to them and encouraged them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Peter saw what God can do, just like Esther did. Peter pointed to Jesus and got out of the way. Peter pointed to Jesus and got out of the way. He showed people what needed to change in their lives. He showed people what was possible. He showed people how it could be done, pointed to Jesus, and got out of the way. It's amazing when the church will do that, friends. It's amazing what happens when a church continues to show up for their neighborhood again and again and again, showing God's love, pointing to Jesus, and letting the Holy Spirit do the work. Everyone say, point to Jesus. All right, verse 41 says this. Those who accepted Peter's message were baptized. God brought about 3,000 people into the community that day. Friends, we've celebrated a lot of new members in this church. Still waiting for the Sunday where we celebrate 3,000 new members. To be honest, maybe give me a heads up if that's going to happen. I'll, I'll call like the sheriff's department or something. I want a security guard, at least one or 10, right? Might need to knock down a couple walls. But we see what God can do. Peter saw what God can do just like Esther did, right? Esther, you'll remember from the story, was in a place where Haman wanted to kill and exterminate all of the Jews. Esther spoke up and saved every Jewish person in the whole Persian kingdom. Esther just used her words. Peter just used his words. As the people of Pentecost, we have a word that needs to be shared. Peter and Esther knew when to speak. Friends, can I just share something that I, I wish I'd learned a long time ago, but I really, really know now after years of trial and error? Sometimes the very best thing to say is silence. I was a hospital chaplain for a summer. It was one of my requirements to become a United Methodist pastor. And I, I don't know if you've met me, but I'm, I try to be a good time, right? Like I'm like, ha that works in most of my settings. Not so much when you're rolling into a hospital room, okay? I was in charge of the emergency department. Not a lot of good news happening in the emergency department other than, hey, you're leaving. They don't send the chaplain to do that, right? And I, I would sit down with these people and I would say, you know, hey, what's, what's going on? And they'd say, you know, I'm very, very sick. I'd say, oh, but you're getting better. They would say, no. I'd say, oh, but you will. And they'd say, no. Hey, have you seen any good movies lately? I, like, I didn't know like, what else to do. Because, friends, sometimes all the world needs is for the church to sit and to listen. 
See, there's a difference between silence and not speaking. There's a way that one can be present in a room, in a space, in a moment, in time, in a community, and present silence. Being there, being in the room, listening to people you don't agree with, and hearing them. That is sometimes the best thing we can say. Because, friends, the, the world suffers... The whole world suffers because the church says too much of something and not enough of the thing. The whole world suffers because the church says too much of something and not enough of the thing. How can I, as someone who doesn't know Jesus, how could I possibly let Christ change my life if I do not know his followers' love and care about me. You find yourself talking about a group of people, a person, something that's destroying this country, and you don't know anyone that's a part of that community. I don't know if you're doing Holy Spirit work so much as you're just getting something off of your chest. The world doesn't need another Christian to say as much as they want about something. We need more Christians that are willing to do the hard work, to be humbled and bold, to comfort the afflicted, to afflict the comfortable, to point to Jesus and get out of the way, and for everyone else to see what God can do. As the people of Pentecost, we have a word that needs to be shared. The flames are for the names. Everyone say flames for names. This is the title of my 80s dance core band. That's not true. Flames for names. Esther spoke because of Mordecai. Peter spoke because he loved his people. Why will you speak? I talked about the flames that showed up over people's heads at the, at the miracle of Pentecost. Why did that happen? Because there was a fire that was burning that needed to be shared. There were individuals that needed to be loved. Howard Thurman was a great saint of the church that, that taught the church a lot of wonderful things. We have a pretty long quote. It's this. To love means dealing with persons in the concrete rather than the abstract. In the presence of love, there are no types or stereotypes, no classes and no masses. To speak of love for humanity is meaningless. To speak of love for humanity is meaningless. There's no such thing as humanity. What we call humanity has a name, was born, lives on a street, gets hungry, needs all the particular things that we need. There can be no love apart from suffering. Has anyone ever experienced that? Amen? Maybe? Yeah? Has, no, has anyone else ever experienced that, that? That true love requires a bit of suffering? Like. You can have as much like as you want, and you don't have to suffer at all, but if you really want to love, it'll break your heart. Love demands that we expose ourselves at our most vulnerable point by keeping the heart open. So friends, why will you speak? Everyone say, I will speak. We need to know the name. We need to know the place. I can tell you the place. It's Shepherd Road. I can tell you the place. It's South Lakeland. I can tell you the place. It's Mulberry, Plant City. I can tell you the place. It's right here, right now. It is your job, friends. It is your job. It is my job. It is all of our jobs to find 
the name. Because that is why we have the flames. That is why the fire of Pentecost came. That is why Esther spoke up. That is why we speak up now. It is because of the people. Friends, I I had you talk to me today to remind you of the power of your voice. I don't typically do all of these calls and responses. But I wanted to remind you of your voice. Your voice can comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Speak up and do exactly that. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All right, friends. I hope you heard something in today's message that made an impact in your life, helped you know that you're loved by God, and inspired you to do something about the gospel that is offered to you. Now receive this blessing as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Go in peace. Amen.